welcome back to another episode of AT Talks. We've got a lot of amazing people today. We're continuing the ATS AT Guide. Um, so this is episode three, the first episode we did. We just graduated. What's next? The second episode, we're talking about interviewing benefits and negotiating. So episode three, uh, we got the job. Hey, you're hired. Here's your keys. I'm going to see you tomorrow on Monday. You're coming in. We're going to assume that it's uh, typical like summer, fall, you know, and you got all your fall sports roll, rock and roll in high school, college, doesn't, you know, middle school. But day one, you're coming in tomorrow. What are you guys going to do? Figure out what the heck I have and what I don't have. I think that's probably one of the first things if I've never been inside the athletic training room or facility. Um, was there an inventory sheet before with whoever was before me? Um, do I have access to that? Can I get access to that? What's expired? What's broken? What do I need to fix? Those kinds of things. I think that's probably one of my first things I would do. Yeah, I would add in um, meeting people. I'm, I'm big on, you know, a lot of things I know we're going to touch base on today, but one thing I would add in is meeting people. Getting to know people as, as quickly as you can, as best as you can, you know, and not just your coaches not just your AD, but even your custodian staff, right? Who's working with you to help your facility look good? Secretaries, who's, who's helping you to coordinate things and so forth. But definitely just taking the time to face-to-face -face meet people, shake hands, and, and find ways to be a blessing to them. Yeah, I was going to piggyback off that, Tony. Um, I was going to start off with saying, honestly, it depends on your setting as well. You know, um, in a collegiate setting, a lot of times when you go to your interview, you meet a ton of people. But as Tony stated, you don't meet the custodial staff. You know, you don't you don't meet some of those inside folks that you're going to be dealing with on a day to day basis. Um, again, from the, the uh, collegiate side, some of the things I look at, I definitely want to look at protocols and procedures. You know, that's that's I'm, I'm huge on that. So. I want to go through EPA or EAPs, EPAs. I've been dealing with chemicals lately too. But I want to check out EAPs, um, you know, inventory like like Alejandro said, and all those different things that that makes it viable for me to do my job to the best of my ability. So you start day one and, you know, I, I make a list, I, which I did when I started. I made a list of things I want to do in the first week, second week, and third week and so on, and all those things started first day, so I agree. Yeah, to jump off that, making a list, um, I'm, I'm big on writing things down, making a list, just know that um, on your first day, and, and on, you know, I've been in many different settings on my first day, there's just, I'm just bombarded with all kinds of information, names, people, locations, numbers, passwords, all kinds of stuff. Make sure you have a way to remember that. Um, that write it down, put it in your phone, um, carry a, a notepad with you or whatever, you know, however your style is to remember things. Um, but also just kind of give yourself the, the grace and the patience to know that, yeah, there's going to be a ton of information thrown at you on your first day and a lot of things to get used to, but you don't have to absorb all of it right then, right there. You know, there's, there's going to be tomorrow and there's going to be the next day. Um, so you don't have to get everything right there on your first day. I think one thing as you're, um, walking around like um, you guys are saying EAP uh, meeting people um, I'd probably be walking around if I had a cart a business card of some sort made I'd be walking around handing those out like candy to everyone I could find and make sure you're writing down their names just so because I mean you're one new face for them but you're gonna be meeting 20 50 new faces for yourself so as soon as I hand one out I'd write their name down too and figure out who it is um, try to figure out what places I have access to and what places I may need access to and figure out just sort of the lay of the land and uh, sort of where Rob was going with the EAP portion. Um, what parts of the EAP can I specifically impact and what parts of the EAP are done above my pay grade? Like how, what stuff is done on the admin side of everything and what stuff do I have to do for um, the emergency care of the patients? So th those are kind of the places where I'd start and how I'd sort of go about stuff. I mean, I would go in flexible. Um, things not to expect on your first day is to completely move into your office. 
my first job. That's what I thought I was going to do. And then luckily I was, I had a, a head athletic trainer. So basically he just grabbed me by the shirt and dragged me around. He introduced me to everyone. Um, had me go to campus safety to get all my, my IDs, get all that stuff, which is stuff I didn't really expect. Um, just because I was brand new. So I think just like making sure that you're (laughs) comfortable enough in this, in the situation where like, if you have a plan that it might not work. (laughs) So. That brings up a funny story. My first day at Dorsey high school, I was given a room and my husband and I cleaned and we were there like the Friday before school start or the Monday before school started school starts on a Tuesday I show up to work Tuesday morning they tell me I'm not in that classroom I'm in another classroom and so I had to after teaching in a classroom where I had none of my supplies I had to move everything after work on Tuesday so definitely not expecting to move everything in on the first day is extremely important learned a lesson there look i I was gonna i was gonna come back off ed and say you know what we forgot to say day one breathe right (laughs) i I don't know what to say about that story alex god i'm pissed (laughs) off you know but you live and you learn yeah i will say also i know we're talking about all this day one stuff but if any of you all actually have the luxury to come in maybe a week or two before you actually start date I know it's sacrificing some of your time. I know you're not going to get paid for it, but it will ease some stress if you can come in, get a, you know, just kind of read over your EAPs like everybody's been talking about, actually get get the um, resources of your policies and procedures and give you about a week or two to kind of read and review. Uh, if you have that luxury, you know, if you're not just, you know, thrown right in, I would definitely recommend that. Um, another thing that I would just add, you know, cause I know we can all jump on policy procedures, but, um, just coming in and learning the culture, uh, taking some time. I think sometimes as athletic trainers, we want to come in, we want to do what we've learned, but before you start that route, I would definitely just think about trying to learn the culture and learn the expectations of your athletic department. Yeah, I, I agree to you. Um, that, that actually happened to me. And this is when I, so I, I did an internship at LaGrange College um, months before I started working here. And my first day as an intern, you know, I walk in on that first day, I took my deep breath, right? And I'm sitting at my computer and I'm actually going through policies, procedures, EAPs, all this type stuff. And then I, I hear a kid come through the door. And I mean, I'm, that first day I'm at work, like I'm working. First practice I had to come was basketball practice and the gym wasn't adjacent to where my office was, two different buildings. So a kid came through the door and he just walked in, you know, I had my back to the door, which I hate. So I turn around and look at him and I'm just waiting on him to, to kind of tell me what he needs, you know, cause I'm used to them coming in, they sit down, I go over and I question. Now he walked straight over to the high drop, got his pad, got his packs, sat on the table, put his heat on both knees. That was it. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm used to doing that, you know, because coming from the, the program I was in, we did it all. All they did, they come in, we evaluate, they stay on the table, we get whatever we need, and then, you know, we service. He came in, service himself, and I'm sitting there like, okay, you know, and like you said, that culture, I had to understand that some of these kids, and it's a D3 level too, they're a little bit more self-sufficient, and I had to get used to that, right? Now, you know, he he couldn't just come in and not say anything anymore. He at least had to speak. But, you know, I had to get used to that. And like you said, you got to get used to the culture and how things have been done. And you look at those things and you determine what you might want to modify, adjust, or change. And then you go from there. So that's a great point. Yeah. I think piggybacking off of learning the culture, I'd say going with a mindset of just be prepared to observe everything. How – other people in the department interact with others. So even if you're down the hall, you kind of read body language, um, try and figure out what people are like um, as best you can based on that. Um, I was not like that. And was like, 
formed opinions quickly, um, which wasn't great. But um, when uh, my new boss started, he was very much stand back, observe everything. And I don't know, I just, I, I feel like that's such a great attitude to have because then it doesn't put pressure on yourself to feel like you have to know everyone right away as well. So. And to add to the, the culture, you know, even thinking about your coaches, if you don't take the time to figure out who they are, how they operate, and you're just trying to come in and do you, uh, you can find yourself creating a lot of friction. Uh, you can find yourself creating some small battles that are not worth it. Um, you're the one that's new. If you have a coach that's been there for 15, 20 years, they have their expectations too whether it was good expectations of AT or bad expectation. But if you don't take the time to learn what they expect of you, you don't take the time to learn, you know, how you can navigate within their system, uh, it can be very challenging. So that's, you know, again, I, I, it's more than just day one. Obviously, it's going to take weeks. It's going to take months. But that is just something I think is important for us to, to really do is just, uh, like Ed say, just observe, pay attention and just learn how people operate first. I've definitely been in that kind of situation, Tony, where I go in and I, I um, you know, meet all the coaches and uh, I had one or two that are like, oh, that's the new trainer. That's their words, not mine. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that, that's my new enemy or whatever, you know, because they have this notion of uh, the previous person they didn't have a good relationship with. Um, and, the, and just know that you might encounter somebody like that um, you're not going to get along with everybody um, on the very first day, and that's okay. Um, none of it's your fault, of course, um, but it's and it's an opportunity to uh, improve that relationship. You know, just just observe, take it all in, um, take it for what it is, and then work to to uh, leave them with your the impression of you. You know, even if it is, hopefully, it is better. Yes, yeah, a great time though, Andrea. At that time, I mean, you have a chance to set the tone. You know, yeah. you can let them know right off the bat, you know, I'm not what, I don't know what you guys are used to, you know, but that's in the past. Let's move forward. This is how I like to work with coaches. This is how I work with my athletics administration. This is how I work with my student athletes. So it should be a clean slate and that's, that should be a great time to start fresh. But unfortunately that those, those uh, situations do occur. Yeah. And a lot of that comes back to what Tony said. You need to get, out there and just start hi this is who i am i'm here now i'm tom i'm happy to be here hi coach hi coach hi coach hey nurse hey principal hey ad hey maintenance hey custodial hey this you gotta get out you can't just be sitting in your room like i'm here now and hi everybody i'm gonna take care of you now you gotta get your butt out there and talk to people and start building some type of relationship and i would say be careful you like because there's going to be lots of little battles lots of little fights that you can blow up Worry about that crap later and be careful what you yeah. say. you're going to go into these cultures where everybody knows everybody you're going to be like you know you can say something about the football coach because maybe you're battling with them and he's going to be like well all my friends are these other coaches and then you just made a whole lot of enemies yeah. or like a kid you know like oh a yeah, coach does this and that's not right and, and then all of a sudden the coach you got 50 kids against you for football or something so just be super careful take one step at a time breathe and you definitely have to know where your stuff is. Because when I came to EC, East Chicago, the culture there was very much, if you're not using this kind of thing, well, then we'll use it. So the sports medicine stuff was everywhere. So I had to go out and find that, get pieces. And as I got more keys and opened more doors, I would open a door and be like, oh shit, there's stuff in here. Oh man, there's more stuff in here. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is all mine. Sorry, it's sports medicine. You just build that, you just build it as you go. No, that's what my boss did a great job with. So my first day was a Friday because that, that's when August 1st happened to be. And so our our supplies for the year got delivered over the weekend. So Monday we, we came into our room full of all our stuff for the year and he's like, put it all away. And he, he worked with us, but it was one of those, okay, so where does all this go? This goes here. And he showed us. So we learned because it was me and three other coworkers on a staff of four that were new <laughs> that year. So um, 
that was a great experience for me because then it's, he also said, if you guys can think of any other way to, you would like this stored or for organizational purposes, let me know, we can change. So like right away, we felt kind of em empowered with that as well, but we learned where everything is and what we had. So. Yeah, that's one of the easiest ways to learn where everything goes is suddenly you've got a whole order you've got to put away. <laughs> yeah. I like hopefully, that part about fall. Hopefully you've had that budget talk already with the people that control the money. And it's August 1st and you have eight sports going and you're like, hey, we, we've got nothing and I need, you know, A, B, C, and D. Here's $1,200 bid. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. So make sure you have those talks earlier. Do that episode one, episode two, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I just want to jump back real quick into culture because I, I, um, Especially being the first athletic trainer at a high school, it's always going to be very, very difficult. Um, and uh, like Ed said, watching back and observe, like I, I people watch a lot and that's what I did a lot at Dorsey. And I learned the way things were and I, you know, found out how things can improve and what I can do to improve the culture. And like it's just it's all a combination of, I think of what everybody has said introduce yourself get especially the secondary school level get to know your plant manager who has all the keys in the world get to know the person who is going to be entering your pay um, get to know every single person that you can um, when you're filling out paperwork and all of that and then picking your battles once you observe and find out how people work right I let a lot of things go but my first year when I had a track coach undermine me and take a student um, to a doctor who I found out was a physical therapist um, behind my back so that they can run a track meet on a grade two hamstring strain, I chose to fight that battle because you're not going to do that. Um, but you know, not having this storage room at this time, like pick and choose your battles. Eventually, once you build those relationships, you can make more ground now I'm in the place where I, every new coach has to come in and get to know me know how I operate know how I work instead of the other way around and you do that as you establish yourself and you create those relationships but it's very important as especially as a new grad um, as the first AT at a high school they've never had an AT before they don't know how things work they don't know how policies work they don't know how procedures work they don't know how laws work because they've never had someone there to implement those things. So it's going to be very, very difficult in the beginning. That's why I think it's very important, like for what everybody has said so far, get to know those policies and procedures, get to know those things, see how things are, what you can do, um, you know, make a, a, a short-term goal list and a long-term goal list, what needs to be done immediately, the, the big priorities. And then what can you eventually change as you are there, hopefully for more than a year or two. Um, but yeah, I agree with what everybody has said so far. I think a combination of everything, um, specifically to myself in the secondary school setting is going to help out new grads a lot. And that situation, Alex, can go a long way, especially to a, um, a first year or you know somebody freshly graduated. Know your worth. And, and know that, you know, your job is to take care of those student athletes. And your job is also to educate and counsel the, the, the coaches to let them know, you know, how this thing works. And it could be daunting. You know, I, I've talked to mentees that got hired and they get to a place where, let's say, the football coach has been there for 25, 30 years, right? And he's accustomed to doing things his way and they're new and they don't want to, you know, they tread lightly because they don't want to piss anyone off. No, no, you got a job to do. And at the end of the day, if it brings up a, a tough situation that you have to take care of, you got to do that, you know, because somebody's kid's life is at stake. And just like you said, those coaches will definitely, they'll undermine, they'll go behind. You know, I had one, one time that slick told a kid like, Hey, don't say I told you, but, you know, go see this doctor. Of course I'm going to find out. Number one, I know all the doctors around here. So I got the call before he got an appointment. It's like, you, you can't do, but had I not been here 
and establish that ground, I would have never got that call either. So you got to do things the right way. You know, you got to understand that, you know, even if it's, what's the new saying? Popular to, or unpopular opinion or whatever it is. You have to do what's right at any rate. And if that pisses a couple of people off, as long as you can stand your ground and say why you're doing it and it's the right thing to do, then that's it. Now, I don't want to, you know, sugarcoat it. Some people have lost their jobs because of that as well. But if that happens, I still, if it were me, I still feel good to say I did what was right. Number one. Number two, I'm going to lawyer up and, and we're going to go to court. But I did what was right. You know, and in every situation, as long as you do your job and what's right ethically and morally, you shouldn't have to worry about anything else. And that's tough for, for uh, first years to do. That's tough for any young AT to do. I think that's why it's really important to have those policies and procedures in place, right? One of the things on, on my to-do list as a, a new AT at Dorsey was create an injury management protocol. Okay, when, when should you as a coach send a kid to me? Because if it's for a boo-boo, Hey, I don't, you don't, if I'm rehabbing someone, I don't need to be interrupted with that. You know, unless it's like a, a severe laceration or something that I need to attend to right away. Um, you know, if it's, if it's, if you think it's this, especially if they're, um, because I don't travel, if I have home games, the coaches are responsible for the students. So if you're by yourself and you suspect X, Y, and Z, this is what you do when you come back to school, that you send the kid immediately to me, like establishing those kind of procedures and protocols like for a even like a general for a muscle strain expect the student to be out for two to four weeks for, for this grade and that way just so that you already have something to back you up if a situation does arise well did you look in in our injury management policies and procedures did you see you know those kinds of things i think policies and procedures is, are very huge especially in the secondary school setting when you're going to be dealing with a lot of coaches um, and parents so that they can understand um, that, yeah, I'm not gonna let you go run track with a grade two hamstring strain that just happened two days ago. Like that's just not gonna happen. So that's very important. And, and add, to what, add to what both Rob and Alejandra is talking about in regards to, you know, like I said, knowing the culture. But biggest thing is, is as you're knowing the culture, sitting down and actually meeting with your coaches, right? And trying to do that prior to the season, I think it's vital, right? Um, so I know this may not be done on the first day, but, you know, you should already have on your to-do list trying to meet up with your coaches. If you can meet with them all at once, great. I definitely recommend maybe meeting one-on-one, one -on -one, but getting some feedback, getting some feedback in regards to the previous athletic trainer before you, getting their feedback again in regards to their expectations uh, of the services, and also, if you're going to create these policy procedures, that's the time to educate. Educate about concussion protocol. Educate about injury management. Educate about your philosophy of care, right? Make sure that your coach knows on the front end. Don't come to the middle of the season and coaches had this expectation of care and now you don't do it that way. That's going to create a battle that you could have avoided by addressing those things on the front end. And I think that's really important for you all to learn as young professionals is trying to have these meetings uh, at the beginning of the season. And um, actually I'm having a brain fart now, but again, just to highlight, <laughs> doing these things on the front end can save you, save you a lot uh, in regards to addressing your coaches. Yeah, Tony, I was gonna say the exact same thing you said. Nobody was surprises nobody wants to be surprised with how you're going to be acting in the middle of the season so but like hey you know here, here's tell me about what you guys have done but like this is my experience and sort of what i'd like to implement here as we're moving forward and just, just let everyone know what the page is i mean working in the secondary school setting i, I learned really quickly parents don't like to be surprised by kids coming home in crutches or slings mm. calm and that might be one of the things you find out the first day how do i get information for all my kids contact how do, how do I contact my kid's parents if I need to? Like, do I have to depend on the kid to give me the correct number? Or is there a place I can go to find that stuff? Um, throwing those expectations out there to the coaches just so that they have an understanding of where you're coming from. And I mean, uh, I think Rob said it. They need to understand that your, uh, your interest is in the, uh, in the patient. 
not nothing nowhere else nowhere else should our interest be we always have to be patient focused i mean that's why we have this job and that's why we're on campus to, is to serve the patient so um eliminating surprises and having that main focus i think is going to make anyone successful if they sort of stick to that and roll with that as they move forward patient-centered care right it's it's yeah. especially in, in the secondary school setting um if you are the first at you are going to get a lot of um people mad at you for keeping kids out for a grade two ankle sprain. You're going to get, you know, things that normally the coach would tape up and have the athlete go back in there. They're used to that culture. You coming in as a first AT, it's going, you're going to have a lot of people fighting you back. And so that is not as normal and that's to be expected. But like Tony said, education is huge. Um, you know, explaining how the body works and, and why we need this amount of time and also explaining that every athlete is different. You can have a kid bounce back from a grade two in a couple of days and you can have a kid who will take a little longer. It's explaining those kinds of things and educating the coaches. You know, I created a binder um, with everything for them, um, including the EAP and all my policies and procedures. And I think, you know, that establishing myself and then creating that that way when a new coach comes in, they get that folder and then we meet and then we just go over that stuff. So all of that is, is really huge. And that way there are no surprises. Then you're all on the same page. Once they're educated, they know what to expect depending on, on what the athlete's injury is. I think Rob said it best like 10 minutes ago. Uh, oh, put the athlete first every single time. It doesn't matter if the coach has been there five, 10, 30 years athlete first when the athlete's over take care of them make sure they're healthy make sure they're safe and if you're getting pushed back because you're making sure those athletes are safe and healthy and performing well and you're under fire because of that then maybe this is not an, an organization you want to work at you know maybe this is just a foot in the door you pay some of your bills and now you're going somewhere else and, and i think that's okay you don't have to suffer through that abuse go ahead Alex. now just say we know it's hard because I can already hear people saying it's not that easy. I, I shouldn't like, I, I can already hear people like, we know it's hard. We know it's difficult. Like as a new grad, we know it's really hard. Oh, yeah. I think my, like how you said, Tom, just hold your ground. You know, if you're noticing this, this, these kinds of things at your first job, day one or week one, then it's okay like to be frustrated. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to deal with all these feelings and these frustrations. And I think that's why it's so important to have mentors that you can vent to having people to vent to and to, to text and to like, hey, I'm in this situation, you know, to, can you assist me? Those things are very, very important um, because it's, you know, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. You're not going to always win coaches and stakeholders over. And, and I am very aware of that. And that it's one of the reasons why people leave their jobs and, and it's horrible. But, you know, the, once you find that job, and everyone supports you and things work out well, like you won't want to leave it and you'll see that, that everything here will be worth it at the end of the day. And, and that's why it's super important for you to have that long conversation with your AD or whomever your supervisor is, because I need to know if, if it comes between me and coach, whose back do you have? I need to know if you're going to allow me to do my job as best as I can, because Every day of the week, 365 days a year, if it's between what coach says and, and my job treating and, you know, doing the right thing for the student athlete, coach is going to lose every single time. And I need to know from my AD, my supervisor, whoever that is, do you have my back in that? Because <clears throat> I've, I've had mentees. I've actually had a, a former assistant who, who was with me for many, many years and end up leaving, right, for different reasons. Um, actually, if they watch this, they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But anyways, um, they had to leave because, you know, the, their husband got a new job, and they went to work at a place that they were familiar with and had an issue with a coach telling them, well, we don't have to listen to what you say. That's a suggestion. And then to have the AD tell them, yeah, the coach is right. <laughs> I got to go. I can't work here because we're going to fight every day. If you tell me what, what my medical advice is to you and a student athlete is only a, is merely a suggestion and, and not, you know, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your face, Alex. <laughs> I was the same way. And I'm like, hey, there's no way in the world. So you have to have that conversation with, you know, your AD, your supervisor, your principal, whoever's the person that you go talk to, because they should be in the meeting with the coaches first to let them know, hey, this is Rob. He's the, the medical provider. Whatever he says about an injury, that's it. That's Bible. And if they don't do that, it's going to be tough. Documenting those conversations, too. No doubt. Now, your first day, do you know what documentations you're going to use? Do you, are you using an electronic documentation, you know, sportswear, healthy roster, all those? Or are, are you still doing it by paper? When I got Dorsey, they were doing it by paper and then transferring it onto an electronic. And I'm like, why are we doing double work? Like, this just doesn't make sense. You know, do you even have something to document? Do you have to create your own, like a Google form or something to to keep all these things in place and documenting everything, every conversation with the parent, every conversation with the coach, every conversation with an AD, especially if they go that way. Um, I love emails because you can always go back and track them and see what was said. So, you know, figuring out ways how to document things to cover your own ass in situations like that. Um, because then if, if anything has to go the legal route, you have things that will back you up. Um, and that will say that, you know, they're wrong and you were right. Look, my notes in, in sportswear can get so long because <laughs> I'm, I'm typing in quotes. I'm typing, you know, a kid comes in on Monday and, you know, reports uh, ankle pain, right ankle pain. And, yeah, I did this two weeks ago. I'm like, well, why, why didn't you come in two weeks ago? I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, all that goes in. I am documentation <laughs> Nazi because you have to. And like you say, you got to cover your own butt. And, you know, I've been in a situation before where the documentation wasn't where it's supposed to have been. Now, luckily enough, it didn't get that bad. But I, I tell folks all the time, my assistants hate it because I tell them, I'll go back and read a note. Nah, I need, I need more information, you know. You have to document it all. And if you feel like, you know, I tell them to look at it this way. <clears throat> if we had to bring this to court, would this set you, would this get you off? Would this be enough information? And if the answer is no, you need to type some more. I have a question for y'all for documentation because, um, you know, like medical terminology, medical abbreviation, which still to me in undergrad and, and, and writing notes and stuff. But then I found as I'm dealing with, uh, like, especially in the secondary school setting, um, my administrator has to see my notes to import into our district system and then you know so they don't understand what that hx may mean history so as a new grad in your first job did you notice that you had to step away from the abbreviations and the medical terminology and kind of do layman's terms i, I, I definitely stepped away from it not just from um well, I, we use healthy rosters. So for one, I stepped away from it because I'm not always communicating with other healthcare professions. I'm communicating with parents, I'm communicating with coaches, and I'm communicating with AD. So I can continue to create one message and then create another one, or I can just create it so all parties understand. Um, and because I've been doing that for so long now, honestly, I don't remember all the abbreviations. So um, it is what it is. As long as the information is correct, that's all that really matters to me. Yeah, I'm sure it's different in the collegiate setting, but I mean, that's what I ended up finding in the secondary school setting. I, I ended up knowing that non-healthcare professionals would have to look at this because of the way our district works and they don't know what the heck I'm saying. So I would have to end up typing everything out like in normal English language. We had a different form that went to our district compared to what we kept for our company. So. Um, yeah, when I wrote the district forms, definitely was a little bit more regular layman's terms than um, what I would write on a normal evaluation that I'd write. But I sort of, uh, like I said, they said the same thing, but they were written two very different ways. And I have for myself, I have, um, I do a little bit of a hybrid, to be honest, yeah. because on my staff, we're all looking at those notes and sometimes they can get long-winded, right? So if it's something that I think is uh, easy to depict by, you know, a layperson, then I'll leave it. You know, like if I say right shoulder and I just have R-S-H, 
you know, of course, I'd leave something like that. But um, if if I got DX, PRX, yada, 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 now I try to type those out. And so for what I did, we use sportswear, right? So on sportswear, and I think some a lot of the other uh, platforms use as well, I can go in and I can create the uh, the abbreviation, right, as a, a quick code. So I'll put DX equals diagnosis. So we still type it the same way. I'll type DX, but in the note, it reads out, it spells out diagnosis. So I try to do that as much as I can, and that helps us out a little bit. That's interesting. I, I don't think I've come across a situation where I have to um, change my documentation style for somebody else. Um, I mean, I, I, I keep good records and I use a, a pretty good amount of, of uh, medical shorthand and that kind of thing. I have had to explain things to other people that don't, that aren't, uh, don't have a medical background. You know, I have to explain to the athletic director what's going on. I have to send an email to school nurse of, hey, this is what's going on. And that's where I do change my language, but I still have that base of, I have a written report, uh, you know, so if not, whatever, um, that has all that, that medical terminology in it. So that, that's kind of interesting that you guys have to, you know, either use two forms or, or change your documentation style. Yeah, I think it's more so of habit, because, you know, like, like for me, that's what I do it in case we have to send it somewhere. And now because I have to report all of my injuries that go to a doctor, to the insurance uh, provider, I submit those forms and I don't want to have to submit it once and then have to resubmit it. So again, on our side, we can see the shorthand, but when I email it or afford it to them through sportswear, they can read it all out and they never have an issue at all. Yeah, that's a great point, Rob, because that's what someone told me um, one time when I brought up the same conversation. Uh, and they were like, well, if you take this document to court, are they going to be, be able to understand and read it um, verbatim? So you should be very detailed and concise um, and make sure that it's understandable and the document can be held up in court. Yeah. And, you know, and I hate that we have to have that conversation and, and say, you know, if this goes to court. But, hey, it happens. And you got to be ready. Because the one thing you can't do when you have a, a, a situation that goes to court, you can't go back and edit those documents now. You know, that, now that looks like fraud, you know, and a lot of those platforms like Sportswear, ATS, and um, the, the other ones, they have timestamps. So yes. if I created it on September 3rd, and then I go in on December 14th and edit that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to tell them that. So I'll try to tell them, be as thorough as you can. Now, if you have to make an addendum, then you do it on whatever date it is, and you say, look back at this date, here's the change. But you never go back to re-edit something that you're about to send to court. Yeah, I've, I've done that on paper, too. Um, the, I mean, the, the term I use when I uh, say I have to cross out something or change something, I will put my initials next to it and the date that I am doing that change. You know, to say that, hey, that yes, this is different, um, but I can explain why. Yeah, and that's great because some people don't know that. Some people don't know if you if you scratch something out or reword it, whatever, initial it, and that's that's actually held up. Mm -hmm. So another point I wanted to uh, address for for the uh, young professionals, after you've actually had the opportunity to meet with your coaches, you know, address the policies and procedures, injury management, and so forth. Again, I expressed earlier getting feedback from the coaches in regards to their expectations of care. And so the biggest advice I will say, though, for your young professionals is in that first initial meeting, don't be so quick to be like, yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. I'm just letting y'all know. As much as you're trying to build that relationship, as much as you're trying to let the coach know that you're here, my biggest thing for you all is to take that feedback take those expectations and say, thank you. I appreciate your time. I'm going to go back and sit down, reevaluate everything. Give yourself some buffer time to evaluate how much time you're able to put in, how much support you have, what resources you have. Take all that into consideration and then establish your boundaries. Reach, Tony. Yes, because after you get that, then you go back to your coach and say, hey, I've heard what you said, and this is how I can reasonably provide service for your team. 
but ultimately provide the best care for my student athletes given all the things that I have available to me. That would be my biggest point for you young professionals. I have a really hard time still saying no. And please, all my young professionals, say no. It's okay to say no. You will burn yourself out real quick if you try to fix every problem, um, say yes to everything. Like, it's okay to say no. <laughs> Trust me. Learn from all of us. It's okay and me. It's okay to say no. It's okay to, to create those boundaries. And, you know, I have uh, my foundation that I work for since, um, I think I get to survey, like, how did I do survey every year to all of our administration and our coaches? And that's where we get our feedback from. And then we review that. So even making something like that, if you don't like a simple Google form to send out, and then you can evaluate all of that. And then at the end of the year, I think that's when don't try to do the end of the season because then you have another season starting as soon as one season ends or one season's going into another season. So it's hard for you to do those things in between seasons. So I would say at the end of the year, it's at the end of the school year, take that time, evaluate that feedback, and then you can make some changes um, slowly. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do want to point out the, the, the great thing that Tony said, though, about how you do that. Because in that meeting, yeah, you don't want to say yes. And in that meeting, you also don't want to say no. You want to say, give me time so I can go look at all that I'm doing, make mm -hmm. sure I have A, B, C, and D, you know, in place to make sure I can take care of that properly. Because I'll tell you now, um, I'm like you, Alex. I, I, everything that, yeah, I, I got it. I can do it. I can do it. Look, to this day, y'all, I've been there for almost 20 years. I fill up the Coke machine. <laughs> in in the uh, in the athletic department building, only because the guy before me used to do it, right? So he used to do it, and then when I took over, the AD says, "Hey, uh, so you know he had a key to the to the Powerade machine, and when when the Powerade guy drops all the drinks off, he would just throw them in there. You think you can still take care of that? Yeah, sure, I got it. <laughs> yeah, to this day, I still do it." <laughs> <laughs> 20 years later still years later. <laughs> people are like and then they come to me Rob the machine's broken so the machine took my money and look I just put the drinks in I'll put it on the injury report sorry coach <laughs> <laughs> Ed, Ed what do you want to add there no so I was basically going to say exactly what Rob said the only thing I was going to add on to that is on day one it is very easy to say yes because you are excited, you are um, not breathing, so you're not thinking straight as well. So it's just it, everything goes a mile a minute. So try and slow yourself down to try and slow everything else around you because it does. That first day, eight hours feels like five minutes. So, and then the only other thing I wanted to say is that you only have one shot at a first impression. And you probably only know four people there because they were probably the ones that interviewed you. So making sure that you present yourself in a way that you want to be or how you want to be seen and respected by everyone. Oh, there was one thing I forgot to mention earlier that I thought about um, earlier when, when the topic came up. There are a lot of people that, that have trouble remembering names and remembering people. Take notes. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, walk around with a pad. Guy I worked with for the first five years, he'd always have a pen and pad in his back pocket. And I did, I ain't gonna lie, y'all, I used to laugh at him like, man, you old, like you can't remember nothing. And because I was young and, and I got, you know, I'm cursed, I got a photographic memory. So some things I wanna forget, I can't forget them, right? But now that I'm getting older, I got a pin in the pad now, <laughs> but, um, but it's okay. You know, take notes. If you meet somebody and you know, you have trouble with names, you know, so-and-so in office 136, you know, write down notes. So you won't forget that stuff. Cause it, it is important and it looks bad. If you don't remember. I will study headshots. So like, even on like my, my college's website, I will look up and hope to God someone has their headshot up so I know who they are next time I see them. So now, that being said, Ed, every school has a website where people are up on there. Uh, one thing we talked about in D8 a while back, uh, I think it was uh, Dr. Bennett brought this one up. He's like, you know, every AT should be on their school's website. 
find out how to get on there. He's like, mm-hmm. they, got the fourth, they got the third offensive line coach from every football team on their website. You can be on the website too. So say, hey, you know what? I'm, I, I want to be a part of this team. How do I get my do – you, do you guys need a headshot from me? Do I have to go about that on my own to get a headshot so we can put something up there just so people know that we have an AT at this school? Like, let's advertise that we're doing things to try to take care of our student-athletes over here. Um, that, that might be something uh, – not a battle you probably take care of day one, but something as you're getting going, like, hey, how, how can we facilitate this to get me on the website, make me a part of the actual school community, and just – become a, a part of that school community because I mean, those are the people you're working with and those are the people you're serving. For my emergency medicine people out there, you know, I know we got Dylan out there, Mike Hopp out there, they're always pushing that information, but I know we talked about the EAPs earlier before, but definitely just making sure all your emergency equipment works, you know, on day one, you do not want to go out on day two, day three, and AD battery is dying or the pads actually aren't effective. So little things like that on day one, EAPs is important for you to know. But right along with that, you want to make sure your equipment is ready to go. Uh, have we mentioned nurses yet today? We have not. No. We, I don't think we have. Well, I, I mean, I, yeah, you, you better know your nurse. Know your nurse, know your nurse, know your nurse, because that, that is your advocate during the school day. If you're not allowed to be on campus during the day, they're your eyes and ears during the day. Like that, That's someone you need to be talking to, because if your athlete gets sick during the day, some people may say, yeah, I'll just wait till the AT gets on campus, or they go to the nurse. So you, you need to make sure that relationship is being cultivated from day one. Like that, that might be before anyone else, to be honest. I can tell you one benefit of knowing your nurse is that if I email six teachers tomorrow saying this person's concussed, we need to modify A, B, C, and D, they're going to be like, who the heck is Tom? And I don't care anyway. But if Nurse Bobo sends that email, it's getting done. Exactly. Period. Nurses and counselors, another important one with the whole push for mental health, EAPs and all of that stuff. We, we got to, we, we got to go beyond the gate that separates the school from the athletic facilities. Like we got to be willing to walk past that gate and start talking to people. Uh, we have a gate at our school. I don't know what y'all got at your school, but <laughs> Vegas, all the schools are out. Well, and all that stuff. About a, a figurative gate. <laughs> no, no, we literally have a gate. Yeah. <laughs> the gym's over there on that side of the gate and all the fields are over there and the school's over here on this side of the gate. That's really important, Mark, because I, I, I had a situation with an athlete who um, is a collegiate athlete currently and just graduated, but we had a mental health crisis, and I had to reach out to his academic advisors, his counselors, because I couldn't get a hold of his athletic trainers, and, and even at the secondary school setting, um, you know, some kids, they build this relationship with those counselors in knowing those people and if you have an athlete dealing with something or struggling with something and you haven't built that relationship with yet but you know there are other people on campus that maybe have like knowing those people it's extremely important because that academic advisor was able to get in contact and and head over to that kid's apartment and we were able to you know intervene so that those relationships the school nurse the counselors academic advisors all of those people who deal with the students on a daily basis before athletics is, is really huge another thing just to add in i'm just adding thoughts i'm thinking about my first day that's fine that's fine uh, we're, we're in the first like nine months now but it's all good i know right uh, going back to the first day man go have fun thing you know, all that stuff that you learn, that first ankle that comes in, that first whatever, go have fun. Enjoy yourself, man. I, I remember my first day. Actually, yeah, I remember my first day at grad school. And I know this ain't first day of job, but as a grad assistant, I, I feel like that was a job. Uh, my uh, The director was like, hey, here's an ACL case. He's coming in. Uh, he's about, you know, three months out. Uh, he's coming in with these conditions. Um, go down to the training room and figure out what the resources are and develop a rehab plan. And I remember initially like, man, you just going to give this one to me, you know, but at the same time I went down there, I actually being me, I went down there two hours prior to knowing that uh, I was supposed to start, got the, uh, you know, figure out where all my resources at, what I got, sat down, start writing out a plan and had like two different plans. Cause again, I didn't know exactly who this athlete was. And when the athlete came there, don't rush, 
reevaluate the athlete yourself. All right, take your time. Get a good grasp of what you're truly dealing with. Made the modifications to the plans I already had uh, written out, and I had fun. Made a good impression with that athlete, good relationship with that athlete, and that, that just obviously boosted up my confidence, but, you know, got the ball rolling. So have fun and enjoy yourselves. And if you're at one fancy school – oh, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say, just to, yeah, to, to go off what Tony said about having fun, I, I make a point to, um, you know, at the end of that first day, to sit down and go over all the notes that I've taken, whether it's in my phone or, or on a pad of paper or whatever, um, you know, clarify what you need to clarify so you remember it for the second day. And then, yeah, find a little way to kind of celebrate. Hey, I finished my first day at this new job. You know, it, it, whatever that means for you. Um, I don't know, go, go pick up something on your way home that's your, your favorite um, dinner. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, just, just find a way to kind of sit down, breathe, recap, and then maybe celebrate a little bit. Yeah, don't take work, work home with you. Celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> Decompress your day because day one is a lot. Don't go home after day one and, like, try to tackle everything at home. No mm -hmm. decompress. You leave Have work at work? How's that? That's a, no. Who does that? <laughs> I've learned to do that. Steve. What profession is this? It got harder when my home became my job because of COVID, but um, I, I, I started to do that. I started to, to leave it, to leave it, and, and especially on the first day, because you, you're going to be so overwhelmed. Your mind's going to be racing. You know, like Andre said, look over those notes, just decompress, but don't try to continue solving everything at home after your first day. Just yes. celebrate your first day, definitely. And if you get hired at a fancy it's school. It's easy to say it, though. You know. Oh, it's hard. It is, it is tough. It is tough, you know. So all, all, all year one's hard. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but, man, dude, year one, that's <laughs> the hardest year, straight up. It gets easier after year one, but that's, that's a grind, struggle. That is – you're going to win some battles, you're going to lose a lot, and there's going to be a lot of time where nothing gets better, and you're going to question, am I doing this right? Am I at the right place? You're going to question your own – your own methods on your philosophies of athletic training and how you do things as you're going to grow and you're going to evolve. It's, it's a lot. And, and then, like you said, Tony, you're right, comes Tony. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to be a wise ass and say, then every once in a while, a pandemic comes and just screws everything up. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how long you've been in the profession. <laughs> you know, so Tom just said something that, that made me think, you know, I know the discussion topic was, you know, day one, you know, year one. And, and day one, all the way through year one, one of the things that was tough for me, and it was, you know, it's never been my confidence. It's never been my belief in me, but everyone questions, right? Because you're going to get that one injury that you're going to, you know, do everything from A to Z and then find out, you know, well, kid tore the ACL, kid had a fracture, whatever, and you're going to sit there and go, well, how how the hell did I miss that, right? No, unless you have MRI vision, <laughs> that's what that's what those diagnoses are for. You know, calm down, chill out, relax, use the tools that you, you have in your tool belt. And if you do have questions, refer. And I'll tell you, that was one of the toughest things for me for the first couple of years, right? And then fast forward to like year 12 or something like that, I had a kid come in. Uh, he was a freshman. Kid came in after hurting his ankle the, the night before. And uh, it was on the last play of a scrimmage, right, football play. Last play of the scrimmage, he comes in. I put him in a boot, put him on crutches. Just so happened his parents were there too. So I explained to them, well, he's got great range of motion. Strength is even good. I'm going to put him in a boot. I'm going to meet with you all tomorrow morning, bring him back in. We'll start on some rehab stuff, start some exercises. You know, big deal. I gave him a cryo cuff so they can take home with him. They took him to the hotel with him because they were out of, from out of town. Brought him back the next day, and we got to going. Day one, we're working, and this kid was so quiet. But he's and he's a freshman, so I don't I don't I didn't really know him that well. But I'm asking every day, how's it feel? Yeah, it's all right. Every single day, y'all, for four weeks, because the the uh, the rehab went for four treatment went about four weeks long before I actually finally referred him because he would come in on one day and I mean it's huge right it's big 
and I do um, high volt and gain ready. That's my number one way to reduce inflammation. And I get all the inflammation out, milk it all down. It looks great. He walks around in like moccasins or something like that, right? I'm like, no, you need support. So every two days it come back in, it's blown up. But he had full range of motion. He was doing single leg storks, right? So strength was fine. He was doing single leg calf raises. Strength was fine. But there was something about that inflammation I didn't like. So I called my doc, who I already, I already told him about it, because at that point I'm like, it's got it's a grade two, right? So I told talked to him. I said, I think we need a picture. I just I don't like how this inflammation is not going away. This guy texts me back <laughs> after his appointment. My doctor texts me. He's like, Yeah, he's having surgery in the morning. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, what's the deal? He had uh, dislocation and calcaneal fracture. And for four weeks, this kid, the most pain he said, it's, it's all right today. So now a younger me, oh, I probably would have jumped off, you know, jumped out a window or I probably quit. But at that point, you know, I've been in the game for a while. So I'm like, damn, that's that. It wasn't even about me. It was about him. Like, how the hell you do all that? with that type of injury, but you just never know. You never know. And until this day, his parent, he and his parents, they still send me messages and, and, and I talk to him every once in a while. He's actually, um, he was trying to be a PT, but now he's a, a personal trainer. Um, but that was one of those crazy deals, man. His mom's like, he did the same thing when he tore his ACL in high school. He played the last four games on a torn ACL, never said a word. And you have to understand as a young professional that those things happen. And that's not your fault that you missed that, <laughs> you know, because everything you did in, in your facility didn't show towards what was found. And that's okay. But that's important that you said you never know. Like, realistically, we really don't ever know unless we get that imaging or unless someone cuts into there and finds out exactly what's going on. And we got to understand, like, you don't need to make a diagnosis the second an injury happens. You, wait until tomorrow it was one of my favorite terms or one of my favorite things with some of my patients, like, hey, you know what, let's see what you're looking like tomorrow. Like, it, it looks weird right now. Let's see what it looks like tomorrow, get a better idea, and possibly go get some imaging after that. Because when, when stuff, like you said, when stuff doesn't seem right, and you're like, you know what, we need, we need to go there, it, be willing to be to put yourself out there and say, you know what, I don't know exactly what's going on, and we need to be, be humble about it. Like, you don't know everything. Get over it. You don't. We talked about this the other night, right, Tony? Like, I, I, I think – Number one, referring is huge. Number two, being okay and acknowledging that you don't know everything. I always keep this mm -hmm. little wherever I go, my ortho exam book. I've had this with me since college because I forget a lot. You forget a lot. I have not been an athletic trainer from March and I am going to be rusty as heck. I <laughs> so guess what? I'm going to be flipping through my books. I said the other night, uh, my weakness is the hands. I can I can do knees, ankles, shoulders all day. But when you come to me about the hand and the thumb, I'm I'm gonna be you know like Mark said. I I don't especially with high school students. I don't like to say what something is on that first day. Yeah. And you yeah. have the parents asking, well, how long is it gonna be out? And the coach is gonna be asking, how long is it gonna be out? And I'm just like, you know, let's just let's just give it some time. Let's see if the swelling goes down, and then we'll 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 come back to and we'll reevaluate on this day on Monday or something like that. And I always and like to say, huge. this one feels different than that one. I was like, those yeah. don't feel the same. So we got to go with, they're not the same right now. And we need to figure something else out from that point forward. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, if you know, like I had a, I had a kid with an, like I knew for sure it was corner seal. Like that thing, it just kept coming. But I was like, you know what? This, this, this just feels a little different. So why don't feels we get you an MRI, keep you in a brace. And we'll just wait till we get the results. And the results confirmed it. Because like you also got to think about, like, especially at a high school student, if it's their senior year and you know it's an ACL and you the kid, like if you tell that kid on one day you tore your ACL, you're done, and then they have to wait three weeks to get an MRI, like that's a long, crucial, agonizing three weeks. So, you know, knowing those type of conversations to have, and you'll learn. You'll, you'll learn how to do all that. And this if it's things. not torn. Oh baby! Oh baby! You, you, you just lost all cred from that kid, their family, that coach. Like, you, you don't have to tell a kid exactly what they did. Hey, it feels different. We need to get a picture and let the picture tell us what what happened. Like, 
like that that has completely become my mo like very different change from when i was a first out of college to as i got old <laughs> that's just sort of before we drift too far away oh yeah i think we need to do a better job as as a collective as a profession that when you're referring out people that does not diminish your skill set and your value we gotta stay in our lane we have to you know, know because like when tony mentioned earlier uh everybody mentioned when, when you're we're, we always have to prove our value we always have to prove ourselves yeah i can do that yeah i can do that yeah i can do it all come on bring it over here you don't have to do it all you're an athletic trainer that, that enough that's enough you're already enough and if you need to refer some things out and you need some second opinions on some stuff or some pt help that's elevating the standard of care for that athlete and that's what should be done mm -hmm. 100% patient-centered care. And I was going to say, going back to what Alex said, hey, if you got to have your book right there while you're doing eval, so what? Doctors do it all the time as well. You know, people think, people think doctors are so smart and they know when you get them signs and symptoms, they know exactly what's wrong. Well, you know why you're sitting in the, in the, in the, in the room for 25 minutes before they get there? Because they're in there researching your symptoms. Like, that's the truth, though. But if you have to have your, your eval book sitting there going through your eval, first of all, I trust you more because now I know you're not going to miss something. Yeah. I trust that more. And that's okay. Folks want to be like, well, no, I got to know it right there on the spot. You know, no, you don't. No, you really don't. It also helps educating. Like when, when I have my books out and, and I, especially when it's a kid that's nervous and the parents are there, I, I, I explain everything. Right. You know, as you're going, like this, these tests are to roll this out or to roll, you know, all these things as I'm going along, as I'm palpating. You know, this is a little different. It shouldn't feel like this. And that way, they're I, they're getting comfortable. But I'm not saying exactly what it is. And then if you have those books out, and then further explaining like the possibilities of everything, but waiting to confirm because at the end of the day, you need you need diagnostic testing. Like I think that also will help the patient and the parents with being more comfortable understanding of what's going on which is another reason why i always have my books out and stuff like that because you know even educating the kids it's fun because it's taking their mind off of their injury so you're 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 occupying them with other with other stuff besides their injury well that that also that, that helped build that that special mm -hmm. bond that we have with our patients because we're, we're taking them through everything we're educating them they know we're being legit we're being upfront and real with them and that's just what it just that's a component for that special bond that we have and athletic trainers all over the world have that special bond with their patients yeah and that's one of the things that most of my parents that you know i keep in contact with that's the thing they tell me years down the road that they love about me you kept it real like you you were honest with me from day one you know if something was bad you told me it was bad but you gave me the good the bad and the ugly you know, you didn't hide anything. You didn't, you just kept it real. You, you were honest and you got to be that way. Cause when you're not, you know, we, we all heard the saying, when you tell one lie, you got to tell another one to cover that one. Or if you're guessing, it's the same thing. If you're guessing, well, yeah, I think they might've done this, but why do you think that? No, it's, you just be honest. Well, I don't know exactly, you know, how bad it is right now. That's why we got to get some imaging done, you know? On the good side, it could be as simple as this, and it's minor. Or the worst side, it could be as bad as this, which is major. And then yeah. you let the diagnosis tell the truth. And for you young professionals, when you don't know what the injury is, that's okay. Uh, I, I think one of the things you can at least identify is it, is it is it at least present bony, at least present soft tissue. You know, because at the end of the day, you're not going to treat you know, a soft tissue injury too, you know, too different, whether it's a tendinopathy versus a strain, you know, if it's soft tissue, you're still going to kind of have some of the same type of treatment plans. So even if you can't truly provide a diagnosis, say, hey, at least right now we do understand that we're dealing with a soft tissue injury. You know, I still want to refer to get further information so that we can educate you. And I think that's the biggest thing too. I always tell my staff, if you can't tell the athlete what is going on with them, then we need to refer because the athlete needs to be educated and the parent, obviously I work at the high school level. So the parent also needs to be educated on what's going on with their child. 
So if I can't tell you, then we have to refer. There's no question. There's no sitting around and trying to see how they progress. No, I need for my athlete to know what's going on with them. Okay, so that we can educate the athlete, educate the parent, educate the coach. And then that we can move forward with the uh, uh, efficient or proficient treatment plan, right? Or efficient, sorry, treatment plan. And I think that's the biggest thing. So uh, young, young peas, again, you get in there, you get that first injury, you don't know, take your time to educate. Take your time figuring out how to be able to educate the patient. remarks i know we've like we went super passionate there and we've been talking for like an hour and 10 minutes so those remarks we just covered like four topics i love it i like i'm all pumped up now uh, okay well hey i appreciate all of you spending um an hour and a half of your time on this sunday have a great week uh have a great you know holiday two years all of the above thank you very much I'll see y'all soon. See you next week. Have a good one, Tom. See you, see you all later. Thank you. Pleasure talking with y'all. Take care.